with our Monday night Bible study. Tonight is Monday, April the 20th. And uh, as most of you know, we have been studying uh, the names of Jesus now for the better part of two years. And tonight, <clears throat> we're going to spend uh, additional time on, on the name, the preeminent one. This is going to be part three. When I first started preparing and working on this name, I saw it as a two-part teaching, but uh, the name just kept growing. And this preeminent one is so significant that the more I looked at it, the more I gained from it. So tonight we're going to be doing part three of the name, the preeminent one. As you know, that particular name for Jesus comes out of Colossians 1 and 18. So I'm going to read that verse, then we're going to pray. We're going to take a look at uh, additional information uh, related to the name, the preeminent one. Colossians 1.18. <clears throat> and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the first born from the dead, that in all things might have the preeminence. Father, we bless, honor, magnify, glorify, and praise your holy name, God. God, we thank you so much for the privilege of another Monday night Bible study. Thank you for the men and women who have gathered together on the call that we might learn more about the names of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the prayers that have gone forth already tonight, God. Thank you, and we agree with each of those concerns that were listed and named before you in the prayer. For you did remind us that when two or three are gathered together, God, that you would be right there and that you touch and agree. And so, Lord, we are in agreement with every one of the prayers that were lifted up before you this evening. And now I simply ask you, God, to anoint my mind, my lips, my heart, my spirit, and everything that comes through me tonight, that as we examine the name preeminent one for the third week in a row, that I will come forth with your help, with fresh new information that, that blesses the healer and encourages and changes our life. God, we bless and thank you for this now. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Family, um, it would be unfair to go to part three without at least refreshing your memory of the definitions that we've been working by, even though we're going to be picking up in verse 15. We covered from verse 13 to part A of verse 15 over the past two weeks. Uh, tonight, we're going to start at verse 15, part B, and we're going to work down as far as we can go. We might be able to even finish verse 18 tonight. But we're in Colossians 1, verse 18 is our anchor verse. That's where the name, the preeminent one, comes from. We're, we're building, we're laying a foundation putting building blocks upon it so that when we get to verse 18, I think it will be clear why Paul has referred to him as the preeminent one. So let's just quickly go back over the definition. We said that the word preeminent 
has to do with being paramount or supreme in rank, has to do with the highest dignity or importance. Uh, that's the word preeminent. There's so much more I could elaborate on, but if I say to you par paramount or supreme rank, that's what we're thinking of when we consider the name preeminent one for Jesus Christ. Uh, also, uh, I shared with you that in the uh, during the National Version and in the Message Bible, they, where Paul talks about the word preeminent in the King James and any other translation, in the NIV and the Message Bible, they substitute the word supreme. And that works as well because the word supreme is defined as highest in rank or authority, of highest in degree or quality. And that's who Jesus is. That's the name that Paul was working from in Colossians 1.18. So the point is that in identifying Jesus as the preeminent or supreme, it, it is that he is above all others, whether in heaven or on earth, with the exception only to God the Father, who himself is the one that made Jesus Christ preeminent. Um, <clears throat> two weeks ago, when I introduced this name for Jesus, I, I gave you the Greek word that Paul was using uh, for preeminent. And would, would everyone please put your phones on mute? We're getting a lot of noise in the phone. So if you would, please put your phones on mute. Uh, I gave you the Greek word, which is proteo. And it and that Greek word that Paul used in that verse literally means first in rank and influence. And that's the most often translation also for the word preeminence as well as for supremacy. So that's the, the working definitions that we've been working from as we talk about Christ as the preeminent one. Last week when we finished, as I said, we were in verse 15. Uh, verse 15, part A says, who is the image of the invisible God. And I went into detail of defining the invisible God last week. So today, so that we can get through this, I'm going to pick up on part B of verse 15. Part B identifies him as the firstborn of every creature. And so with, and, and Colossians 1.15 says, who is the image of the invisible God, we've addressed that. And part B says, the firstborn of every creature. So let's talk about that tonight. The firstborn of every creature. This, this phrase can be uh, cross-referenced or matched up with Philippians 2 and 9. Let me read that verse to you. It says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. If you simply think back to the definitions I've given you for preeminence, he's highly exalted. He's above all. There is no one above him. And Philippians 2 and 9 says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above 
every name. So <clears throat> Philippians 2 and 9 is suggesting to us that if by his humiliation he has merited pardon and final salvation for the entire world, and that which is full here represents the fullness of the Godhead, which dwells in him, and in which the, the punishment that we would otherwise do because of our own sins, literally were born upon him as he hung upon Calvary's cross. Uh, in, in other words, uh, because they hung him on that tree, they hung him from the cross, but he was exalted above all human and above all that is created. Uh, I believe uh, the songwriter said, if I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He was being exalted, y'all. And this is the fact that God has given him a name, that the, the name which is above every name. And, and um, I want to show you uh, even emphasis to that name. I believe that name is even more emphatic if I were to direct you to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 20 and 21. I'm going to read them from the NIV, but listen carefully to those verses. We're still talking about the uh, preeminent one who is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 and 20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Where is he, y'all? He's exalted. He is above everyone. He is uh, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 21. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. So this preeminence of the man Christ Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. So, God has established it, y'all, that no creature of God is or can be exalted higher than Christ. And neither is it even possible for one to, to even come close to being nearly as glorious as the man Christ Jesus. Human nature being in him, but dignified infinitely beyond even the angelic nature or the nature of the angels that we consider. That that this nature has an authority and preeminence which no being either in heaven or earth can ever possibly have or enjoy. Uh, let me say let me put this in, in another word. As man was in the beginning at the head of all the creatures of God, Jesus Christ, by assuming human nature, suffering and dying in it, ha 
has been raised to it as an, an uncorrupted state. Uh, that's because he's preeminent. That's because he's high and lifted up. That's because he's highly exalted. That's because there is nothing in heaven or earth that could reach to where he is. And even though he walked on the earth, he was never corrupted in the earth. Nothing in the earth was able to make him uh, become filled with the, the, the corruption, uh, the sin of the earth. That's why when he was lifted up, up, up high upon the cross, uh, when the sin of the world came upon him, darkness covered the entire earth because God could not look at that sin, but Jesus took it on for you and for me. And this is probably what is meant by this high exaltation of Christ and giving him a name which is above every name. But if we refer to any particular characterizing word, uh, then that particular word would be the name Jesus or Savior. I hope I'm not going too fast for you tonight. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you this name Jesus or Savior as the preeminent one because I got to drop back to some lessons we gave you months ago. Uh, if you remember. Um, we talked about the name Jesus, and we talked about how uh, the angel Gabriel came to his mother, Mary, and, and he told her that she was going to become the mother of the Savior of the world. In fact, he was so intentional and specific when uh, he told her the name that she was to name him. She said, you are to name him Jesus. And that name, Jesus, meant Savior. And in other words, even as Savior, when you consider the Savior, there is no one at any level, heaven or earth, above the Savior, whose name is Jesus, who is the preeminent one. Uh, it, it, the qualifying name was Jesus. But because he is above all, he is the preeminent one. He's also Redeemer, as, as the preeminent one he is Redeemer of the world. So <clears throat> he's Savior. None has or could redeem us but God through Jesus Christ. And throughout eternity, he will always appear as the sole Savior of the human race. But in order for that to be recognized, we've got to know that the name Jesus meant Savior. We got to know that that name was given to him intentionally, that, that when Gabriel showed up, he didn't give him just any name. He gave him the name Jesus because he would be uh, the Savior of the world. In fact, he said, because he will save his people from their sin. Family, the qualification of the Savior of the world was so extraordinary that the redeem and the redeeming acts of the Savior were so stupendous, and the result of all of this would be amazingly glorious both to God and to man. And, and, and that's because it is impossible to conceive a higher name or title than the name Jesus. But when we think of Jesus and we consider his position, 
and the fact that God elevated him above everyone else. Paul, in considering that position in Colossians 1 and 18, he had to reach into uh, the, the, the Greek dictionary, if you will, and he had to come up with a word that uh, separated Jesus from everybody everything else. And, and so he came up with the word potio, which meant the preeminent one. So, so what am I saying to you? I'm saying that God has given him a name which is above every name. He is as man at the head of all the creation of God. And, or maybe I should say nor, uh, can he be with any conventional standard or proper behavior or standard of truth? He cannot be considered as a creature uh, because he himself not only is the second person of the Godhead, but God also actually gave him the authority to create all that we know in the created world. That is, that world that we know of those worlds that are far beyond our human knowledge, existence, belief, and understanding. He is the creator of the universe and everything that we could possibly consider, whether it was made uh, before we existed or after we existed. He is Alpha and Omega from the beginning and the end. So that's another name that we've already studied, Alpha and Omega. If it is suggested that God created him first, and I want you to pay attention to this, because I'm going to show you how Paul reconciles it. If we were to consider that God created him first, and that Jesus was delegated power from God and created all things, uh, Paul wanted us to understand that Jesus was actually not only there with God in the beginning, but he's the creative force there. And the evidence of that is in Colossians 1, verses 16-17. I'm going to read those verses to you from the Living Bible. And listen to this. Uh, he said, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. Who made it? Jesus Christ, the creator. The things we can see and the things we cannot see. The spirit world with its kings and kingdoms, he's over that, y'all, its rulers and authorities, he made that, he's over that, all were made by Christ for his own use and glory. That's verse 16. Verse 17, he was before all else began, and it is his power that holds everything together. Now, I'm going to... Into the Jewish uh, handbook a little bit and, and continue with the thought because the Jews had a term. They called it Jehovah, Jehovah, Shalom. And, and what that meant, uh, according to the Hebrew, is that he was the firstborn of all the world. Or you could say he was the firstborn of all the creation. And, and by using that name, the Hebrew was simply saying that this signifies that he is having created and that he has created 
and produced all of things. So that uh, Hebraic expression matches perfectly with what Paul has said to us in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. What did he say? Jesus is the creative force. He, he made everything in heaven and earth. And the things that we can see and the things that we cannot see. He made the spirit world with its kings and kingdoms, its rulers and authorities. All were made by Christ for his own use and glory. And then he closes out in verse 17 by saying he was before all else began. And it is his power that holds everything together. Paul was Jewish, y'all. And he said he was the Jew among Jews. But he reached into the book. He pulled up Proteo. And he also pulled up the Jehovah Bikor Shalom to help us to understand that he was the firstborn of all the world. This is Paul's clear collaborative description family of Christ as the preeminent one. Uh, we saw it. Uh, we used the name Portillo in verse 18, but he laid the foundations in 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, the phraseology is Jewish. And as the Jews apply it, it is to the supreme being merely to denote his eternal pre-existence. Let me say that again. With that phraseology that Paul borrowed out of the Hebrew expression was to denote his eternal pre-existence and to point him out as the cause of everything, all things. And it's clearly evident that Paul uses it in the same way and illustrates his meaning and the words that I'm going to share with you related to the preeminent one. I'm going to go back to verse 16 now from Colossians 1 because he says to us uh, there, and I'm reading this from the King James this time, in verse 16 he says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. We dealt with invisible last week. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So, although Jehovah is creator and originator of all things, he involved Christ in the creation of all things, so that all things were created by, through, and for Jesus Christ, again, giving him preeminence over all things. I think i got time to do just one more verse. Uh, so we're going to look at verse 17. I'm going to read that again uh, from the King James and the Living Bible. I think I can finish that up very quickly. Uh, Colossians 1.17 in the King James. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's what the King James says. The Living Bible said he was before all else began, and it is his power 
that holds everything together. In other words, y'all, except for God, there is none other before the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and he said in the King James, he said, in Christ all things consist. Uh, in other words, Christ as creator is also the sustainer of all things, upholding all things by the power of his word. How can you authenticate that, teacher? Well, let's look at Hebrews 1 and 3. And I think I can authenticate that there. In the King James, Hebrews 1 and 3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power of his word, when he had by himself purged our sins, I don't know about y'all, but I thank God for that, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Listen to that same verse in Amplified. It says, He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outbrain or radiance of the divine. And He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When he had, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. One, one more translation of the same verse, Hebrews 1 and 3 in the Message Bible. And we'll close right there. This son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. Family, when I when he says here is stamped with God's nature, we're not talking about a postage stamp. We're talking about something that you could slam down on something with such force that it leaves an imprint that cannot be washed or fouled away. And he says he is stamped with God's nature. God's nature is all up in him, and it cannot be removed. It cannot be exchanged for anything else. The nature of God is stamped in the Son, and because of that, it perfectly mirrors God. And, and Hebrews 1 and 3 in the Message Bible continues. It says he holds everything together by what he says. Powerful words. Then it says, after he finished sacrifice for sin, the Son took his honored place in the heavens right alongside God. Let me close with this. If you can picture in your mind either one of those three translations I just read to you, from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And you cannot help but see him high and lifted up. And one of the verses earlier, we said he was uh, highly exalted. Uh, another name for that is the name we've been considering tonight. He is the preeminent one. 
and that preeminent one was in the beginning with God. God gave him the authority. Uh, he became the creative source uh, of the entire universe. And that's why he also was able to call himself in Revelation Alpha and Omega. But, I mean, I'm going to close right there because I think I just did 830. Um, this name, the preeminent one, is such an incredible name. It is so important that as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we understand clearly that he is the preeminent one and that we give him and recognize him as nothing less than the preeminent one. I want to close right there. And, and we, uh, I'll, I'll be praying over what I'll go and well, I got you. I got to get down to verse 18. Uh, so we may spend just a few minutes finishing this off next week and then I've got another name that we will move into. Uh, let's talk about this. I you can take your phones off of mute now, and let's talk about what we have learned about This session Jesus is no longer being recorded. As the preeminent one tonight. Who would like to get us 